feel like I've, I've been a part of the Rangers my whole life from, from being a kid and you know to have this opportunity now and you know be with this organization for seven more years it's, it's so special. Box to the net and he scores! 2020, 2021 Norris Trophy to Adam Fox of the New York Rangers. The Banachan centers open man Fox Effort award goes to our Long Island boy, number 23, Adam Fox. Here's Fox going to the net. His hockey IQ is second to none. He plays a great game of hockey. He's an exciting player to watch. Man, it's Fox. He scores. You know, there's no place to rather be. Adam Fox will be a New York Ranger for a very long time. You heard Adam Fox, Sam Rose, and Coach Galan, Connor McDonald, Brian Leach. Highlights courtesy of MSG Network. We'll talk Adam Fox and the Rangers with the post Larry Brooks and Rangers great and radio analyst Dave Maloney. It's all coming up next on Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. To up in the blue seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Larry Brooks joins us in his usual weekly spot. Later in the show, we'll also be joined by friend of the program, MSG Network analyst, Rangers great, Dave Maloney. But now let's welcome in the stars of the show. It's the queen of the post, Molly. Whoa, 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 Walker. And her co-host, Rangers great. Number 10, Ron Duguay. Well, thank you, Jake. And yes, I look forward to talking to uh, Queen Molly as she is on the road in Canada, in Vancouver. We got to hear the stories on and off the ice, Molly. But it's been a good week hockey-wise for the Rangers after losing to Calgary 5-1. They've come back nicely, beating Columbus 4-0. And then Seattle 3-1 and then Last game against Vancouver in overtime, they managed to get a point. But it's how they're winning, how they're playing. They're playing as a team, as Coach Gallant has talked about. But more importantly, there are two players that are shining, and that's Igor Siskirkin and, of course, Adam Fox. Two players that I believe, if they continue playing the way they play, that this team has a good chance of making the playoffs. But lots to get into today, as our guest will be Dave Maloney. But right now, Molly, welcome back from Vancouver. Tell us of what it's been like for you being on the road. Yes, greetings from British Columbia. It's it's about noon your guys' time and 9 a.m. my time. So Bonjour, mademoiselle. <laughs> Ça va? Jake literally hit me with like a whole French sentence this morning and I thought my head was going to fall off. Un petit peu, un petit peu. <laughs> No, it's it's been really good. It's it's an absolutely beautiful area. The mountains are just astounding. And to also come from Seattle, seeing the Climate Pledge Arena for the first time. Oh my gosh, it's it's so cool. And I highly recommend to everybody listening to this podcast to definitely make your way to these arenas and these areas. It's absolutely beautiful. So Molly, come on. You know, when I'm going through the airport in Canadian cities and they yell at me in French, I'm always like, ah! 
I don't know, like English for more. So I, I have to ask you, being Canadian, you've, you've been in Toronto, Montreal, and now Vancouver, and going to Edmonton. What's your sense of Canadian folks, Canadian people? Oh my God, Ron, they are the nicest people I've ever met in my entire life. Every Uber driver that I've had, when I tell them that I work in hockey, it's like opening the floodgates. And they'll just ask me every question under the sun with such genuine interest and wish me all the best. You know, I had a guy the other day, and I told Larry about this actually, when he found out that I worked for the Post, he was like, my guy, Larry Brooks, I love him. I just texted Larry. I was like, my Uber driver just told me to tell you he said hi in Canada. (laughs) Being around the guys, the players, like you see him in New York, at the garden now that you're seeing them on the road where they're a little more relaxed they're there as a team no distractions are you seeing guys in a different light now absolutely it's a very rewarding experience and i only wish that the only thing that's missing is locker room access right now because otherwise we really are around them in such a less formal setting and like Colin from uh, Newsday and I, we were walking on the street to morning skate the other day ahead of the Canucks game and we ran into Panarin on the street. (laughs) He was coming down and he saw us and he just starts waving. (laughs) And then he asked us for directions to downtown and and that was it. Like it was an optional morning skate. So naturally our Tammy Panarin's not participating. And I think he probably went to just like have a stroll on the town. It was funny to see them, but yeah, you definitely see them in a different light and it's, uh, it's very rewarding. So I, I guess I need to ask him about Adam Fox, who just signed a big contract. Massive contract. Yeah, I remember when I signed my second contract, which was a bigger contract. There's a certain feeling behind it. You feel like you're getting rewarded for your good work. What are you seeing? I'm assuming you've had a private conversation with him. What are you seeing in him? How is he responding? The ink was still drying. That's how soon after we were speaking to him after the deal went through. Just the look on his face was honestly a look that I hadn't ever seen before from him. It was just like a look of almost serenity, but also just bewilderment. He was just, he could, I mean, 66 and a half million dollars. I mean, that's, that is life changing money, just an unbelievably large amount. And he just, he took it with poise and grace as he has for every single stage of his career. So it it was a very cool conversation. And it was funny, we got to talk to Ryan Lindgren afterward, his roommate in New York, and obviously one of his very good friends that they played together for a while. And we asked Adam, we were like, Oh, do you still need a roommate? And he was like, Oh, I don't know. And we told Ryan that he said he didn't need a roommate anymore. And he was like, Oh, I'm sure he doesn't. (laughs) I'm curious. Curious, Ron, what were the numbers of your second contract and what was that like for you? Yeah, well, I I think about it all the time because I see the the money the players are making now. And I think about what I would have made in my second contract based off your your numbers and how you're performing. And my first contract was essentially 75,000, 80, 85,000. That was my first three years with a $100,000 signing bonus, which at the time was a lot of money. And then my second contract, you have no idea what I had to go through just to grind them out to get $200,000, 200, 250, 300, 350. Now you compare that to today's money. You know, I was very satisfied back then because more than anything else, I was just happy re-signing with the New York Rangers, being a New York Rangers, playing at the garden and all of that. And all that I was getting off the ice was a whole lot of fun. Money was important, but it sure would have been nice to get eight to 10 million a year. <laughs> yeah, guys, guys were wiping their ass with the contract that your I first know. contract 
<laughs> yeah. And our per diem back then, I think it was like, I don't know, $35 a day. What do they get nowadays? 35 is like their Evian water. Now. <laughs> you got that your whole day. That's their water beverage fees. Yeah. So I, listen, I'm not jealous. It's just the way it is. I'm just glad that I got to play for the Rangers because that that stays with you for life. Here I am talking with you guys, and I'm still talking Rangers. I'm fine. I'm okay with all the money they're making. <laughs> it took you somewhere. Uh, I'm curious, uh, what was your first big purchase? Well, I, I signed a contract in June. I remember going to New York, signed a contract, and I stayed in New York for, for a whole week, and I, I got to hang out in Long Island, and I flew into New York, and I thought, you know what? I'm not going to fly back. I'm just going to go buy myself a car. Sure enough, somewhere in Long Island, I don't remember the dealer. I was making a decision whether I get a Corvette like everyone else or do something different according to my personality. And I thought, there's a white Cadillac there, all white, white leather seats that I'm getting just to be different than everyone else. Sure enough, within two days, I buy a white Cadillac. Now I'm on my way home, driving back to Canada. And I'm thinking, wait, there's something missing. I need something else. Because I grew up on lakes. I could never afford a boat. So sure enough, I pull up in the marina and I bought myself a 16-foot speedboat. It was gold, beautiful. And there I go home in a white Cadillac pulling a, a speedboat behind me. So if you could just imagine me pulling at home in my parents' house. And I think my car and the boat was bigger than my parents' house. That was my first purchase. That is the most on-brand thing I think I may have ever heard from you. That's great. Unbelievable. Ron Duguay, one of a kind over here. Molly, also, how was the, I'm curious how the Seattle new arena was. I think people want to get the perspective of this uh, brand new arena. It was beautiful. The paint was still drying, it smelled like. It just was absolutely brand new. The way that they designed everything to coincide with the uh, Kraken theme was just brilliant. All the small details, there's an escalator that goes down into the arena that has graphics on the wall of that makes it look like you're going underwater. They have two jumbotrons, not just one, but two, and they call them the twins. It was an absolutely beautiful arena, and uh, it was a lot of fun to be in Seattle. It didn't rain at all while I was there, which was a miracle in itself. So, but now it's raining in Vancouver. <laughs> and you are Edmonton and Calgary bound now. Next, yeah. Have you do you have your restaurants picked out, Ron? Do you have any recommendations for her? Uh, no restaurants recommendation because back then we weren't even looking for a restaurant. We're looking for a bar. We may have a hamburger on the way out. That was that was about <laughs> it back then. What's the best bar in town? Larry's given me a couple of pretty good suggestions. He told me to go to the Italian kitchen here in Vancouver. I went for Japanese yesterday before the game. That was delicious. I, I guess I, I really do need to look into it and find <laughs> find some good spots. But yes, I have been hitting a lot of bars. Cosmo Girl has gone international. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. The follower count is going up. Here it we is. go. You know, it, Jake is so funny. After you said it on the show for the first time, listeners followed. So thank you all for following. And then they realized they're only pictures of Cosmo Glass and they immediately unfollowed. Like no, one day later. absolutely not. <laughs> I think I've retained them. I think so. It's the best cosmos in town. Well, I have a little a little complaint with you. I, I'm thinking oh because well, you're on social media, and we're just not seeing enough of you on Instagram. What you're going to, what you're doing. We need more. Come on. I I mean, you have a lot of followers now. You should be vlogging. You were a vlog on the road. Okay, so I like to post. I like to post my game day outfits. I've been doing that, and I've yes, been hot actually. 
<laughs> hot. Um, <laughs> but I've also like I had a crazy stuffed French toast for breakfast the other day with apple slices in it. Boring. Boring. <laughs> you want Molly? More my, my, Molly, my what? We want to see the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of yeah. here, Ron. Yeah, that, that actually that actually sounded good to me. I, I, don't I know. think my mom is gonna is gonna pass away. Which actually, Jake, I have something funny to tell you. My grandfather is your biggest fan. <laughs> my papa, my biggest fan, your biggest fan. Wow, that makes said, one. Nice. My, my papa said to me the other night. He was like. I love Jake. He's so funny. Like, how did he, how did you guys start working together? <laughs> the, the Jewish grandfathers love me. That's, yes. that's my demographic is the grandmas, grandpas, the older generation. I think uh, it I don't is. know what it is. Oh, but yeah. you know, also my mom went to Messier's signing. Yeah. Yes. We need the update. What happened? She got a selfie. She got a selfie with him. And she said that, um, obviously they said at the beginning of the event that you weren't, it was not a meet and greet. You were not allowed to talk to him. No pictures. But then at the end of it, a bunch of little kids were going up there and taking pictures and stuff. So my mom was like throwing elbows to get up there and she was screaming at him to get his attention and got a got a selfie with him and then told him that she was my mom. And he was like, Oh, like Molly told me you were gonna be here. It's nice to see you. My mom made her whole year. Made her whole year. Well, I'm I'm gonna I need to come up with something to top that though. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I think just being in her presence. We'll top that. That's that's okay. all she wants. It looks like number eleven beat number ten this time. We'll see if number ten gets his gets his revenge soon. Well, the Rangers lost in overtime on Tuesday night, and we'll talk everything Rangers with Larry Brooks of the New York Post next, right here on Up in the Blue Seats. Joining us on Up in the Blue Seats now is our Hockey Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer at the Post, Larry Brooks. Follow Larry on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy. Make sure you subscribe to Post Sports Plus to read more from Larry and interact with the both of us. Get your free 30-day trial now. Go to nypost.com slash sports plus. Larry, I guess we just have to start with the man of the last 48 hours, just your general thoughts on the Adam Fox extension and and how it's broken down. Listen, I I don't think you can go wrong paying for talent like Adam Fox. And you can't go wrong signing Adam Fox to a long-term deal. I think this sets up the Rangers with a core they know they're going to have for the next four years or so. Igor Shesterkin's the first guy up in four years. So you've got four years with a core that you know. You have Adam Fox, you have Mika Zibanejad, you have Artemi Panarin, you've got Shesterkin, Sturkin, presumably you have Kako and Lafreniere. You've got Barkley Goodrow, we know, for for a fair amount of time. And and that's the core around which this team is going to rise or fall. But Adam Fox is a special player. He is only in his third year. Everyone recognizes that, but he has gotten better each season. He's been better the first 10 games this year than he was last year in, in winning the Norris Trophy. He is stronger in his own end of the ice. He's breaking up plays, which he did last year. He's got a great stick, great vision. You don't go wrong signing elite players. It's when you hope. When you sign players because of what they did in the past for other teams, or you sign players because what you hope they're going to be able to do for you, that's when it's a risk. there, There is a minimal amount of risk in signing Adam Fox. Adam Fox is the reward. And of course, the Rangers are going to be facing a a cap squeeze, which means that there's going to be very, very little margin for error in Chris Jury's decision-making going along. But, you know, so far, he's got the core defined. He's going to have them intact. 
And that's going to be his job to build around him. Uh, Larry, in, in talking Fox, we're making comparisons to Brian Leach, and I think it's only fair. He's young. Can he be as good as Leach? Possibly. The way he started this season, it you know, he looks like he's on his way. When I think uh, Leach, I think Bukamum. When I'm looking at Fox, I'm looking at Lindgren. How important do you put uh, the importance of having a good uh, partner and being very successful when you're looking at at Lindgren, yeah. Yeah, it's critical. You know, that's a pair the Rangers have. That's a pair that was first formed, what, seven or eight years ago when they were when they were teenagers. The US, right, when they were playing for the U.S. National Development Program. So there is a chemistry there. There is a working relationship there. There's a friendship there too, but, you know, They're there, roommates. There, is a, there is a working relationship on the ice. They know each other. Lindgren is always going to have Adam's back. You know that. Fox is always going to have Lindgren's back. They are so compatible that the Rangers now have a pair. And that's it's a good point, Ronnie. It's it's uh, They have a pair, not simply one elite defenseman. And when you're thinking uh, developing some of the younger players, one of them being Lundqvist, when you're looking at your 70, 670, the importance in that, especially going into the playoffs, I bring it up only because there's a lot of chatter on whether you continue to develop Lundqvist or you start giving Tenorti more reps to get him ready to potentially make a run into the playoffs. Because I look at Tenorti at his best, he looks like he belongs. When I look at his past, I think a lot of coaches have given up on him because he's never really played a full season. Do you think it'd be worth it to give Tenorti more time now as a big body guy, can skate and play fairly well, thinking long-term going into the playoffs? No. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. Listen, it's a two-part answer. All right. I think you make a fair point about Tenorti's value in a playoff-type setting. I, I don't think there's any question about a Tenorti type being very valuable in the playoffs. But I also think that they don't need to start preparing for that now. I think Jared Tenorti would be ready to play in the playoffs if he starts getting regular playing time in March. But I do think it's important for the Rangers to develop Lundqvist. I do think it's important for Lundqvist to gain experience at the NHL level. That doesn't mean he has to play every game. And I, and I recognize that there are nights he's going to sit out because the game is coming at him so fast as opposed to the way he had played in Sweden when he just had so much time to make plays. And that's just the style over there. And this is a major transition for a player coming over who is a small skilled player. And so I think there, there's going to be a transition. He's going through it now. And I don't think it makes sense to sit him out. I, I you know, I, again, sit him out a game or two, sit him out here and there, fine. But if you're going to identify Jared Tenorti as your fixed defenseman, then Mills Lundquist is wasting his time. And the Rangers are essentially allowing an asset to devalue. I mean, I think it's important for a lot of reasons for Nils Lundqvist to get playing time, for Nils Lundqvist to get up to speed here, because whether he is in the Rangers' top six or whether he is used as a blue chip in a trade, he needs to have some value beyond just what he did in Sweden. I, th I think there, you know, there's a reason that Nils Lundqvist, that teams all summer were calling the Rangers about Nils Lundqvist and they've identified his talent. Now it's a, now it's a matter of adjusting to this different type of game. I would be very, very surprised if the Rangers see it differently. The last couple of games or so we've seen Barkley Goudreau on the top line. 
I'm curious if you think that's a good fit. And if not Goudreau, then who? I, I don't like it as a long-term solution. I, I don't. I, I just don't see that as a long-term benefit to the Rangers. Goodrow, you look, you can stick him in for a game or two or three. He won't embarrass himself. He'll be fine. He does what he does. But I don't think you want Barkley Goodrow taking that amount of ice time away from another top six player. You do raise a good question, though, Molly. Who? If not, if not Goodrow, who? It's disappointing to me that Lafreniere is not in the top six. Very disappointing to me. And I'm not blaming the coach for moving him down because, you know, I mean, Lafreniere the other day, I know he said that he's comfortable playing in both positions, but he's also talked about how he's, you know, enjoys playing with Sammy Blay because he's French connection. Language. <laughs> right. But I think you, you want Lafreniere to be in the top six. I, I, I just, that's what I believe, whether it involves another kind of adjustment, I'm not sure because I think another, I don't know if it's a concern, but over the last couple of games, I'm looking at Capo Caco and I can't find him. The game in Vancouver was a tough game because there was so much specialty team play. There was only about 40 minutes of five on five. And Caco now is not killing penalties, which he was at the start of the year before he got hurt. Now he's not. It's Maybe a temporary thing, maybe not. So Kako only got 12 minutes last night, a little over 12 minutes last night, which really is not enough. But again, it was it was a game where there were 20 minutes of specialty teams and, and then the overtime. So, you know, I'm not sure that Kako right now is fitting with Panarin and Strom. So maybe Kako needs to go up. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot here. There's a lot that's unsettled. The best part about this is that all these things are unsettled while the team is 6-2-2, two, and two, right? <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, if they were 2-6-2, and two, you'd be looking at this and it would be a much different environment. Decisions would be made, would be made in a different environment. There'd be, there'd be a lot of panic if they were 2-6-2, and two, I think, under a new coach. But it takes time under a new coach. Um, and actually, I'm, I'm writing for tomorrow that you think back to when Vino replaced Tortorella, it took months for the Rangers to define themselves under Vino. They were bouncing around uh, maybe under 500 around Christmas that year. You know, then they took off and went to the finals. Actually, they didn't really take off for a while, but it took a long time to make the adjustment from John Tortorella to Alan, to Elaine Vino, and it's taking time for them to adjust to Gerard Gallant. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. There's a lot unsettled, but certainly the, the goaltending is not unsettled, and 6-2-2 two and two is 6-2-2. Two and two. What did you make of Gerard Gallant calling out Alexi Le and then how he responded to it. I, I think Gallant has come as advertised. You know, I, I was told very early that he's not a coach who coddles players. You know, whether you're young or old, it doesn't matter. Whether you're a veteran or playing in your 10th NHL game, that Gallant is not a, is not a, not a coach who's going to coddle you. And I, I thought it was instructive. I thought Lafreniere responded well, but I didn't think he responded well in Vancouver. I mean, his giveaway um, led to the Vancouver tying goal, the 2-2 goal in the third period. And I thought it was an especially weak uh, attempt to get the puck out of the zone. So, you know, I think that's very disappointing. I, I don't think he's found his game at all. And I'm not sure why. It's also something I'm writing about for tomorrow. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure why, but I think he's actually had less impact on games. Listen, he has the three five on five goals, which leads the team. He has two game winners. He can obviously play, but it seems to me like he has fewer big moments this year than he's had, than he had last year. I think he's had less impact on the games this year, other than the two game winning goals, you know, clearly. So I'm not sure exactly what's going on with Lafreniere. Well, thanks for your time, Larry. And we'll chat again next Next week. Well, thanks for your time, Molly. <laughs> <laughs>
special guest is certainly a familiar voice to all of you. He's currently the ESPN radio analyst for the Rangers, and of course, he was a defenseman for the team not too long ago. Please welcome Dave Maloney. Dave, how are you? Did you just say you're working a shift at a local wine store? Yeah, Continental Fine Wines in Greenwich, Connecticut. I've been here. What happened was I was walking during, it was probably April of 2020. So we've been out about, what, a month? My wife works for Amazon. I've got a younger son. He's in the real estate business. They're working at home. And I'm sitting around going, okay, you can only do so many crosswords. And I don't know what the hell else I'm going to do. So I'm on my way to Whole Foods. Mike, the owner, had a um, sign up front. They look for part-time help. So I walked by, and then I went back and said, oh, hell, I'm going to go in and see what he's looking for. So I'm still here. I cannot believe the great Dave Maloney is working a side (laughs) gig at a wine store. How does that work? Do do people recognize you, Dave, and they go buy Ranger fans and take pictures as they're buying wine? Yeah, no, no, I do get, uh, it's funny, I do get, Unlike uh, somebody who will go unnamed, who is also in this conversation, looks about the same he did uh, now as when he played. I myself am a mere far image of what I used to look like. <laughs> well, Dave, Dave, so you, I, got, you have to stop dyeing your hair gray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, that's what I, that's the, uh, I have to tell one story. I was in the local uh, local food mart uh, parking lot. I pulled up, and a guy pulled up beside me in a pickup truck, right? He goes, Dave. And I look around, right? I look around, and he goes, yes, Dave. And so I start walking, Dave Maloney. And he, I start walking in the truck. He goes, no, that's not him. And the guy drove away. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. <laughs> So Dave, were yeah. you wear- uh, Dave was wearing his jersey. That's why they thought it was him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's the only. Uh, so that's all. Uh, so that's life. That's how I used to say that. Uh, at one point, we had an alumni event, and um, Michael Delzato was still with the uh, Rangers, and you know he had that full head of hair, young, dynamic defenseman, and I was out there. Whatever I was on, I was on the I don't know if you were there too. And I said. I said to Michael, I said, Mike, listen, enjoy it now because this is where you're heading. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, Dave, that's a, that's a real, you're a real one-of-a-kind person. Goes from being a real, a, a real famous NHL defenseman to doing part-time work. Ron wants to know your drink of preference. So you're working at the store. Well, what, you know what do you drink? Happened? Well, I, I've gotten a drink. I drink some scotch now. I drink some wine. I, I actually enjoy drinking now just to enjoy it, you know, as opposed to kind of get my dancing shoes on and my personality. You know what I'm saying? So it's uh, so no. I have tequila uh, is probably the number one in the hip parade, and then scotch, and then. The IPAs, too. We have a number of stuff. Mike, uh, the owner, runs a great little shop here. He's got a lot of different eclectic stuff. and uh, So it's all good. So that's the uh, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. I saw you nod your head, Ron, when he said tequila. Well, that's yeah. You know, it would be fun if, if, if Dave and I and Gresh have some tequila and start telling stories. Oh, God. I'd kill to be a fly on the wall there. Near your local dance floor. Find the local dance floor. That's what I want to see. Yeah, exactly. Well, Dave, I want to take it back to hockey right now because now it's bringing back memories of Jean-Guy Talbot, Freddie Shiro, and essentially wanting to talk 
coaching. When I think about those guys, and I had Nick Polano in Detroit, when you think of coaching of the past and today's coaching, how would you describe the difference? Well, there, it, I, I think fundamentally the game is still the same. It's just that the way it gets explained in F1 and F2 and, you know, the, the different expressions that they use now, are, it can get a little complicated. But you know what, dude? I think a lot of the guys now grow up. That's just the hockey speak. I think it's pleasantly refreshing, actually, to be around. And we're not around. We don't have the access access that we traditionally had with the coaches but from and molly's probably around a little more than even i am uh gerard Gallant is refreshingly it's a refreshing change where it's a very simple presentation the game is just because i often tell too they at the garden periodically they'll run a clip of emil francis in the locker room like in the early 60s and he's just talking about you know you know get there in a hurry you know, take the man off the puck, move it quickly. And really, when it, you break everything down, that's basically what they're trying to tell us when you listen to the coaches now. So I just think, um, you know, it seemed to be a little simpler game. I still still think it's a simpler game, but sometimes it's hard understanding what the coaches are actually saying and what they're looking for. So, But I do think also, too, this generation of kids, you know, they've been basically professionally coached. From day one, it's a much bigger business, you know, and all these, especially the elite players. So, all in all, it's like a lot of things. Life seemed a lot simpler, and uh, and you know, uh, you know, certainly during our generation. Yeah, last week uh, our guest was Mark Messier. Talk about the importance of having the right captain, and actually having a captain. You became New York Ranger captain at the age of 24. Uh, so you have an idea what it's like to be a captain. The importance of being in a captain in the dressing room. Is there anyone that's standing out for you? in the New York Ranger locker room? The thing is, for me, and I've been asked this question before, I, I think it's, it's difficult when you're not in the room. So it's, it would only be from an outside. I've said all along, honestly, and this is probably going to, you know, if you agree that it's youth is the thing, a guy like Ryan Lindgren to me, believe it or not, is the guy that we had a bunch of young guys at the draft show two years, three years ago, and they all deferred to him, and he was the same age. And I like the way he plays. Now, he's not going to be, because I think what's happened, what happened in New York is Mark just put a whole different spin on what the captain thing was all about. And certainly he was one of a kind, I, I think. And I don't think they're, um, you know, I just think that personality-wise and the way he plays, to me, Lindgren is a guy from, you know, from the limited time I've seen him to the two years that he was here before COVID, he just seemed to command a lot of respect from the, his peers, right? So that being said, and not unlike that it's happened, Truba is certainly playing hard, you know, and I think at the end of the day, you you want your guy to play hard and, and play a little bit mean. I mean, you know, you talk about Mark, you talk about different guys that have been real leaders. I'm telling you, they chew your arm off to kind of get to make a play. And of any of the top guys, I think maybe Truba is closest to that, right? I just think that, you know, when it comes to their, it's fine when you want to get the kind of guys that are filling in the roster and don't get me wrong Goudreau's been good and it seems that Reeves has an impact but boy if you can get your top guys I mean how mean was a guy like Brian Trottier or Dennis Potman certainly Mark I mean if you can sit now you know again you watch these top guys that play with a bite and I think that makes a difference and to me Truba might be might be that guy when it comes closest to being one of your top guys that you know what he's gonna knock you right over the head to make a play wow Dave Ryan Lingren I think that's the first time I've heard I've heard 
his name, but I don't disagree <laughs> with you. I don't, especially with your 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 reasoning and and the other captains that you've referenced. Totally, Ryan Lindgren fits that bill. But yeah, really going out of the box there. <laughs> what about what about Lindgren's defensive partner, Adam Fox, the new sixty six and a half million dollar man? Well, the thing is, again, uh, to me, Ryan is. I'm not sure how he would handle like Brian Leach never seemed in, to his own admittance never seemed comfortable being a captain right and I just wonder I just wonder from a comfort level and what you don't want to do is put anything on him that it doesn't look like he wants because why would you do that <laughs> you know, you know I, I think it's just it's really I think the importance of it it has had a traditional role in our sport that no other sport has had and i think it's important that there is someone if you have six of them i think that might say well you really don't have one <laughs> you know and i'm not sure that's uh, i'm not under david quinn's uh, reign that david you know assumed the leadership he assumed the leadership of the role of the room and and perhaps he may have assumed that too much. But I think a team needs to have its own identity in a locker room, and there has to be a guy that, you know, he's the guy that takes takes charge. So if you have six six alternates, you don't even have one of the younger guys represented. You know, so, but this is all from an outsider's perspective. And, you know, we do have a little bit of history in the game. So, and again, Ryan Lindgren is not going to be up there because he's not going to be the guy that people are going to know what he contributes until you watch him, until you get around. So, and I think to a large degree, that role has taken a much more glamorous role rather than maybe in the scheme of our sport. Uh, what's really important to our sport is that compete and that what are you going to do? What are you going to pay? What price are you going to pay to win? Anyway, that's my, and again, that's my story. I'm sticking to it for now. I'm curious, what have you made of this strong start? Six, two and two amid a COVID-19 designation, a couple of injuries and a couple of ugly performances as well, but they are still six, two and two. What, what would you attribute that to? Well, for starters, Shesterkin. Yeah, I mean, but that's not going to be anything out of the ordinary for any team that goes on a run. They're going to get uh, the goaltending. The thing for me is just, I, I'm not sure yet. I, I often thought it's probably not till games 15 or 20 that you get kind of a real idea of what type of team you're looking at. Now, is this a team that has found a way to win, is learning to win, is competing, getting great goaltending when they need it, or is this a team just kind of hanging on by their fingernails? You know, I think you, you could make a case either way. And that's why I think these next three games are going to be very, very telling. You're going into Edmonton, on back-to-back nights, you got Edmonton, Calgary, then you come home and you play Florida. So how many losses are in that group? There's, what, three, four, something like that. So you're playing the top teams, and and that's the thing. Even last night, there's just you know a little bit of inconsistency. I know the you know the penalty kill. Not so, it was good six on six, but it just takes so many people out of the rotation. You know, so I just uh, I'm curious. I'm and I would listen to any thought either way. Whether this is a team that's learning, are you learning to win through the process and finding ways to win, or are you a team that's just hanging on from great goaltending? And I think time will tell where they are, but. At the bottom line, points never go bad. So the Rangers have booked points. They do that five-game segment thing where they want to get six or more points every five games, and they're well on track there. So you take the good and then just kind of 
just, I wouldn't pass judgment either way just yet, but it's better having points than not. Time will tell, Dave. You're so right. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll definitely get you back on the show sometime soon. That's uh, all right. Well, remember to stop by Continental Fine Wines in Chinese <laughs> Connecticut. <laughs> Can we get a free bottle of uh, Sauvignon Blanc or a Chardonnay? Yeah. <laughs> we got all kinds. Of, we got all kinds of stuff in here. So stop on by. All right. Thanks, Dave. edition of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Andrew Hartz for producing the show. Do us a favor, give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it. For number 10, Ron Duguay, I'm Molly Walker. We will return next Thursday. Thanks for listening and enjoy the Rangers games.